Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. You know, kind of good. That was a better game from the owners. They lost mm-hmm. 4-2 to the Leafs. But in terms of grade A shots, it was 11-7 to for Edmonton. Of course, the Leafs scored on some non-grade A shots, which we'll get into. But uh, it was a much better effort by the Edmonton Oilers. They really, if the hockey gods were on their side, which they ev- evidently are not, evidently they would not. They would have got a loser point at least out of that game. And that's what I was hoping for as the third period wound down. But they just could not, could not pull that off, Bruce. So here we go. Two good things. Two bad things in two numbers podcast. And um, why don't you start it off with your good thing? Hey. Uh, my good thing is the first Oilers goal. They gave up the uh, uh, the usual early goal against, the de rigueur early goal against. Fell behind one nothing, but uh, uh, at least it wasn't 2 nothing this game, which it has been many games, because the Oilers came back with actually two really nice goals. So I, I want to talk about the first one, which was the rare five-way passing play uh, where... All five men on the ice touched the puck, and then basically they advanced it from Edmonton territory all the way to the uh, slot at the other end and finished it with a terrific shot. But it started with William Lagerson controlling the puck uh, around the hash marks in his own end, maybe a little higher up the boards than that. It was a, a, a clearing shot that deflected back to him, and he got it under control, and he made a pass over to Kukuk. Uh, his partner was playing right defense tonight, and uh, Cuckoo had some op- more open ice than Lagson did. So the first pass was good, just standard D to D. And then Cuckoo went for an aggressive uh, uh, kind of stretch pass up the sidewall uh, to Kyle Turris. And to me, it was Turris who, was Turris who really made a terrific play here to just deflect that uh, pass by uh, Cuckoo off the boards and up the wall and into the Toronto zone, basically into the lane of uh, Colton Sevier, who was charging up and into the zone. This is one of those, you know, area passes um, using the boards. Uh, very smart play. I love passes like this. And and starting to see some of this from Kyle Turris this last couple of games. He's got really good assists on, on nice plays along the boards. And then Sevier went uh, uh, onto the puck, uh, took it into the bottom of the circle and was able to find Brendan Perlini, who was streaking up the middle of the ice, put it right on his tape, and Perlini buried it under the crossbar. This was a sweet goal. Like, all five guys made a good play. And it was, uh, um, Oilers were, you know, back in the game. Yeah. And to me, that was, you know, that was a highlight. And it's, you know, so rare to see that from, you know, that was the third pairing and either the third or fourth line. You take your pick. I mean, all five guys have even numbers. You don't see that that combined for very many goals on this team. It's all the whole history of the franchise. It's been the odd numbered guys that get all the points, but uh, not on this play. And it was, uh, you know, the plumbers. The plumbers were even numbers in Edmonton. And these, <laughs> these guys got the job done. It was a, uh, this, this was a sweet play. Head numerologist of the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Bruce bonus, bonus numbers tonight, folks. <laughs> You know, you it's fascinating, Bruce. You've got the beautiful mind that notices that kind of thing. Uh, 
Check out the yeah. banners of the retired players the next time you're in the barn. Tell Kevin Lowe went up. They're all, all the digits are odd. Uh, <laughs> too bad the orders couldn't get out of that first period. Eh? Oh, it was that was they the were moment. Talking I, about it. That was the moment that I just thought, oh, this isn't going to go our way, is it? Like you know, they had great comeback. So uh, and and one of the my good thing as a player who was involved in that comeback, uh, Leon Dreisaitl. I think we have them with major contributions to six grade A chances. I'm pretty sure that led the team. Out of the 11? He just played a great, uh, yeah, out of the 11 grade A shots. He played a great game. He, he was really given it the whole game. Um, what did he play here? I didn't, uh, haven't looked at. 24-49. 24-49 and yeah. played his heart out. And I want to focus on three plays. First one comes early in the first period where he crosses the blue line and just makes an absolutely gorgeous backhand, hard, hard, hard backhand past the Slater Cuckoo who goes into the slot for a shot. So that was, that's number one. Then his finish on the, um, there's some nice, Keith makes a play, Fogel makes a play to keep the puck in the offensive end. Goes to Yamo, who makes it just a fantastic uh, play where he holds onto the puck, has some confidence, holds onto the puck, sucks in the defenseman who thinks he's going to pass it early. Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley puts it over, <laughs> you know, slices it across ice to Dreisaitl, who has a stick on the ice and makes no mistake, gets that puck in the net. Then in the third period, um, there was a play where I think it's a rebound play, and Yamo scoops it up in the Oilers' end. And um, he moves the puck to Fogel, who puts it over to Bouchard, who, you know, is such a fine passer of the puck. And he, he leads, you know, it's a he, Dreisaitl has to reach for it, but mm -hmm. it's it's that reach, that extra, you know, that gets him that extra inch or foot or whatever it is that gets him just a fantastic scoring chance where he's he's coming down the, the wing, moving into the middle of the ice, moving into the inner slot, and he lets fire with a shot. That could have been the game for the Oilers. Like if they had scored there, that would have been fantastic. And and, and, it, and it was a great shot by Drysaddle, but he couldn't beat the opposition goalie, you know, who who again outplayed the Oilers goalie. So Jack Campbell was good, eh? Jack Campbell was good. He was good. And yeah, um, yeah so Leon he he came up big last year when Connor McDavid was out. He was doing it again tonight. Fantastic hockey player. He certainly deserved better this game. The whole Oilers team did, Bruce. This was not... They they had been outplayed in every game of the road trip up until now. And they mm -hmm. came up with a really great game. Like, not a really... Uh, this overstatement. You know, under consider the circumstances. The under the circumstances, a really great game. And uh, that's going to be a hard one to lose because... Mm -hmm. Again, they, they again it slips through their fingers in the third period, which has been you know a constant story on this road trip, and it's starting to really suck. Mm -hmm. Let's get to our bad things. What's your bad thing? Well, this is a, something that really sucks. Actually, two things that suck: uh, Toronto's first two goals on uh, just junky bounces. You know, when are the when when is the puck luck even going to start to to even out? And I know I saw people on Twitter saying, "Well, you got to earn your puck luck. You got to take shots." Yeah. I mean, shots were thirty to thirty-three tonight. Yeah. And uh, Toronto uh, 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 on the first goal, which is one game after the other goalie was getting 
crapped on for making a bad play on the first goal of the game. Well, this was partly bad goaltending and partly just bad luck, I think, when uh, 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 William Nylander got the, the uh, uh, puck in the high slot. It was a breakout pass from, from I think, CC to Dreisaitl, and, and the Toronto guy broke it up just as it got to Dreisaitl. It went to Nylander, and he fired a shot, and it missed the net. Uh, on the way by, it nicked John, John Tavares, just barely touched him, changed the angle that it hit the boards, came off the boards, caught Mike Smith in his skate, and he managed to, as he pulled his skate back, he pulled the puck into his own net. I mean, come on. And then they almost get out of the first period, uh... down ahead 2-1, and then the announcers go and say, well, if the Oilers get out of the first period of the lead, they're undefeated all season. And like three seconds later, that, that puck was in the net. And this was a point shot that hit two Oilers defensemen. It bounced off of one, then it bounced off the other one and in. I mean, come on. <sighs> you know, one of those a game max, please, hockey gods. You know, Bruce, two and the in Oilers, one period? Go yeah. away. The, the Oilers had all kinds of outside shots where that where some thing Anything like that could have happened. happened. Could have mm-hmm. happened, right? There was all kinds of outside mm-hmm. shots from the orders. They actually got a lot of them around the net and on the net, and they just none of them, none of them went in. Like it's just, it's frustrating and even more frustrating. Like so, there was some bad puck luck in the, at the Oilers' end. There was some bad offensive decision making, and I and I like these are uh, the two players are going to talk about Slater Cuckoo and Ryan McLeod. You know, I can. Cuckoo is not an offensive defenseman. He's a defensive defenseman. McLeod's new to the league, and he's just getting his confidence and getting his, you know, awareness on ice awareness that will allow him to score more points. So these aren't, you know, elite attackers at the NHL level, but this is partly why. I mean, Leon sends Cuckoo in. Bruce, the Red Sea parted. He just needed to march the tribe, you know, go right down the middle of the ice. And what is he? He settles for an, a, a, you know, he was inside the dot. Mm-hmm. He had lots, he lined up the shot, but he could have gone in there and deked the goalie. He could have got he in really close. Anything. He could have done anything. And he settled. He just, he, he, he blew it. He, he was, he just did what defensive defensemen do when they have a great chance. They get a little excited, I guess. And yeah, Craig, Craig Muni would have done the same thing, you know? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> all kinds of all kinds of defensemen would, and then there's but the the, the Red Sea part. I mean, what a play by Leon! He he had yeah. the puck and he held it while he looked around. He picked out and he's sort of like the quarterback in the slot, you know, Tom Brady in the slot, looking around, saying, "Oh, that guy's open. There's nobody around. I'll whip it to him, and then let him run with the ball." Well, uh, Cuckoo could have run it for a touchdown, you know, on, the, on that play, and and uh, uh, he. Uh, and he was the fourth option. I'm pretty sure Drysaddle just checked them all. Oh, yeah. there's Cuckoo. Well, Leon will be picking a different option next time. <laughs> uh, Bruce, the next one, it's like this was remarked upon in the game. It was, you know, I think Craig Simpson first said, was, you know, it's, of course, it's his job to notice these things. He said, I think he was trying to pass that. And it was yeah. obviously clear from the rebound. That's exactly what he was doing. McLeod breaks in there right into the slot. And I thought he, I thought he, I thought, oh, he's going to score. Like he's scored a, and then he didn't Took score. The whole thought, what the, <laughs> what happened? And then when you watch the replay, you see exactly what happened. He tried to pass it over. 
all he had to do was just jam that puck in the net. And <laughs> just it, at that moment, my my perception of McLeod as somebody who might make the NHL, like a, his percentage of being able to make it in the NHL, like dropped thirteen percent or fourteen percent. Like it's just like <laughs> you don't you don't you have, have like more the hunger and the awareness in that moment oh. to jam that puck in the net, jam it in the net, like. And he just he didn't, Bruce. He and that was that was extremely that was at a painful moment. It was. I mean, making the pass for the tap in is all well and good, but when you got the tap in, tap it in. You know, <sighs> I, the, yeah. I, I Hockey was, happens uh, fast. Yeah, it, it does. does. It does. And and I'll, my cautionary tale. I saw your comment about your, you know, about McLeod. I'm thinking, yeah, you, you got to have that awareness in the game. Like you're looking so focused on the puck that you can't see the four by six like three feet in front of you. Then you're too focused on the puck. But I'll harken back with my ancient memory to uh, a young oiler, fast skating uh, oiler who came up, who, when he first played for the Oilers, was t- prone. He'd get all kinds of chances, but he was prone to sort of panicking around the net and either shooting too quickly or not shooting at all and taking it right behind the goal line uh, or just jamming it into the goalie when, and then. All of a sudden, and it didn't take all that long for this guy, Glenn Anderson, to learn how to take that extra step around the goalie and calmly go upstairs with it. Or just, you know, have the awareness of what was going on around the blue paint, paint not panic there. And, and uh, hopefully some of that befalls uh, <coughs> Ryan McLeod in due course as he gets more experience. I think he, he thinks it's so hard to score in the NHL that you got to make that extra perfect play when maybe... It's just a matter. I mean, he ha- he scored on a similar play the other night when Benson set him up. He was sort of in the same spot. Well, it wasn't a similar play, but he was that close and just tapped it in. That was really all he had to do tonight. And it's just, I don't know what he thought Jack Campbell was, 12 feet tall, maybe, because he had him beat. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be kicking himself more than we're kicking him. I can oh. assure you of that. Like, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, you know, old time hockey stories, like in Ken Dryden's book, The Game, I think he talks about Reggie Hool, Rajan Hool, who had constantly would have great chances and never became a finisher at the NHL level. He, he started to score more goals, but right. uh, he just never, for all the chances that he had great breakaways, he just couldn't put them in the net. And uh, we'll see with Ryan McLeod. My bad thing, Bruce, it's Mike Smith. So seven grade A shots. And three goals plus an empty netter. So that's not good enough. He did make some good saves. He's my mm-hmm. favorite oiler. Like when we were talking about favorite oilers there, I mentioned Bouchard. It's because Smith hasn't played this year, but but last year and early in the season, like he he is my favorite oiler, Mike Smith. Like I'm I love that player. And it, it, I, I just there's nothing I want to see more than him come back strong and, and be that Mike Smith again. Cause he's such a f- great character to watch play hockey. He's fun to watch. He really, he really is such a so charismatic, interesting in the net, battles hard. You know, he's the you know the stereotypical battler. I think that goalie coaches, I'm just guessing here, would say you, when the puck goes past you, you got to have the post, right? Like you got to have the post. So on that first one, that is a very tough play. But I think that I'm just, and again, I'm not, a, I don't know anything about goaltending at all. But I, I'm going to guess he's going to say or his goalie coach would say, you got to have the post there. You can't let that happen. You got to, didn't happen. In fact, early in the game, Bruce, he seemed really shaky to me all around. And I was hoping he could 
settle down and get get into and I think he kind of did but that wasn't good that was that was like a not a good moment according right. to uh, Dave Tippett Schmidty gave us a chance to win so he didn't he didn't rate the first goal against the way he rated the, the brutal Moskin and brutal the previous day. not a, well this one wasn't brutal call it what it so, is brutal uh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so the the uh those folks who are claiming there's a double standard in uh, uh, in place uh, have another uh, bullet for the chambers. But anyway, whatever. I mean, he 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 came through in the middle part of the game. Uh, how many of those seven chances hit the post as opposed to being stopped by Smith? Probably a couple, eh? Yeah, and the Leafs oh, missed Randy the Natalie. iron twice. Yeah, I, I don't know what the. Uh... Let me just see what natural statric has the high danger chances because the they missed the net. Come close, yeah. Nine to five for Toronto, so they count missed shots. Um, I don't know how they only have five. I, like we count outside shots that are heavily screened, right? So they don't, and they they count missed shots. We don't count them. They got to hit the net first to count it as a grade A shot. We count shots on net. They just they count chances. So they have a nine to five leads, and we nine have nine to six in all situations. Oh, in all nine situations, I just have the, uh, the even strength nine six, and we have it um, eleven seven. So they, the Leafs missed the net on a couple. Really, Austin Matthews with a couple times really unloaded, and he just missed the net. Thankfully, so um, then there's the third goal, the winning goal, and and that was also bad puck luck on a certain level, Bruce, because Cuckoo, it looked to me like they he. Cuckoo has a play on the puck, and what does he do? He he chips it into the slot. Yeah. The one place he shouldn't put it, right to Mikhaev, mm. who's who scores. But I didn't love Smith on that goal either. And Craig Simpson noted, I think correctly, he was far back in his net. He was. And, and again, a shot from that spot, really, really high slot, top of the circles, coming, you know, not screened. Um, an NHL goalie has got to make that save he, if his team's going to win the game. So he didn't, and uh, you know it, it was a hard shot. It, it's probably like a fifteen to twenty percent shot going in. Like it's a, you know, it's not like an average shot. It was a difficult grade B scoring chance, is what I would call it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those go go in, but man, he's got to make that save between the circles, but not a one timer, and uh, you know above Clear the luck. circles, like he, yeah, you know. And Cuckoo came sliding across, and uh, I mean, it was a good shot by Mikheyev. He put it just above Cuckoo and just inside the post, and and he beat Smith on the on the glove side. But you know, it's that's kind of. I mean, we scored at a great B shot, and I see Natural Statric did not call it a higher high danger shot because they had Toronto with the same nine chances in all situations that they had in five on five, and that was a power play goal. Yeah, so so game. by their, so, you know, they have just kind of a rote computer. It's outside it's, home plate. Yeah, it's so outside goalie, home plate. By their, that's right, and and I think he should have. It was, I mean, it was a, it was a it's kind a of a shot. shot that angled. It was a, but you know, if that if Koskinen had beat high glove like that, people would have been losing their minds. Now, I, mean, I wasn't on Twitter, so maybe people were losing their minds, but Probably. I didn't like it. I just thought, come on, make that save. If you're gonna be, if you're, there's any hope you're gonna be Mike Smith again from last year. You make that save. So he's just, he's coming back. He's rusty. We'll see how he is uh, against Ottawa. And then he's got a long break to get healthier. So uh, do you think they should make 
Bruce, this guy, Elia Mikheyev, you know, if he if they just played against the Oilers, he'd be going to the Hall of Fame. He's <laughs> he always, always plays great against Edmonton. Yeah. He skates all over the place. He's huge. He's got the puck. He's, you know, killing penalties. Now he's got him on the power play and he's scoring power play goals. And I, I mean, from what I've seen, the guy should be a star, but he's he's had injury issues and and he's, I mean, he's come, just played three games this year and two of them were against the Oilers. I mean, that's just the way it's been going. <laughs> for him but before uh, we he looks yeah. good before we get to our numbers let's just quickly talk about Koskinen's comments today and, and I want to start off by saying that I, I don't think Tippett makes that public critique of his goalie harsh critique of his goalie's play unless he knows Mike Smith's coming back because it really did throw Miko Koskinen under the bus publicly and um seemed like the coach was saying I've had enough of you before he kicked him into a pit of lava um, like James Tiberius Kirk and the Klingon captain. Um, so I, just, I think, yeah, <laughs> my, my precious. All right. He, he, uh, he, Tippett doesn't make that comment. If Smith is, if he doesn't know Smith's coming back, I think so. He knew that. And, um, anyway, but I just thought Koskinen, I thought Koskinen's comments were fairly measured and mm-hmm. were fair comment. Like, I, I know that, like, um, you can see them. Like, when you read the whole, if you just, if you go to the article and you read all his comments, then especially mm-hmm. it seems more measured. Like, when a team's losing, he says the coach get or it's the coach or the goalie gets thrown under the bus. He's probably been on enough teams where that's happened, where he knows that's the truth. I think that was a really interesting, fair comment. He talked about how in Edmonton, fans obsess on every mistake. Yeah, you think? Through that. <laughs> True that. And what are we doing right now? What do we do? What's what we do? It's how we roll. It's why he gets paid four point five million dollars a year. Uh, so I don't have a you know live with it, but uh, you know they don't have to like it. They could play in an American city where that doesn't happen. Generally speaking, it's a much it's much quieter. So I thought his comments were were fair. And in the you know the, he was just pointing out a statistical truth. If the you know he's only getting one goal a game and support all these games and all his losses. That all that said. He, he, He's got to play better. He's been playing poorly for two months. Uh, the first and, thing he said was, I have to be better. And yeah, then, there you go. Then, and then he gave the other background that you just did that was uh, translated by uh, Mary Lonborg on Twitter, a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Uh, has lots of great insights on the Oilers' Finnish players in particular. And um, uh, she just gave everything he said, and I agree with you. It was it was measured and balanced. He blamed himself first, but he said, you know, we're a team here, and the whole team needs to be better. We're not scoring enough to win games either. I mean, he didn't say, well, I got me a goal of support in each game, and I should have won all of them, won nothing. It's my fault, 100%, because that wouldn't really be fair and accurate. So, and the sad fact is that the other guys got 24 goals in those six games. So four a game on Koskinen, so he wears a lot of it. But 24 to 7? Like, I don't know. Like, the team that just hasn't played well with Koskinen in net for, for a month. I don't think Kip Tippett should have gone there. I, I think, and I, I think Koskinen, he, he, I mean, he was asked about it. He's got to say something. Like, and I thought what he said was fair comment. But it's, it's that kind of open dissension on a team where the goalie's firing back, you know, on some level, Koskinen's criticizing the whole team for not scoring. You know, you can take it that way. That's also fair. Uh, then the, his own teammates be thinking, yeah, make a save. 
like mm-hmm. especially in the first period, my friend, make a save. Like so, so I just think it's this is this is a sign of a team in turmoil. This is a team in turmoil right now. Tippett's trying to keep a lid on it and saying, you know, we're playing okay, we're playing good, you know, we're we're working things out. Um, man, alive, Bruce. If they lose against Ottawa. Well, the Tippett came back to it and he said, well, he took me out of context because the question was specifically yes. about the start of the game, not the whole game. And he made some good saves for us later. And so mm. on. then he went doubled down and said the 3-1 goal he didn't like. And I'm thinking the 3-1 goal, is that the one where the Rangers' top playmaker took an unblocked shot through all the Oilers' penalty killers and the Rangers' top goal scorer untouched in front of the crease deflected it through Koskinen? I mean, sure, the puck got through him, but how about a little... Friggin' defense in front of the guy. You know, uh, Chris yeah. Kreider with a deflection from five feet up. That's suddenly now that's the goalie's fault. A lot of stuff has got to go wrong before it gets to the goalie. Yeah, maybe Tippett hadn't seen the replay by then. I don't know like, what's well, going on. I think he would have before he, before he comments. The have been killed by deflections from the slot for the whole time Tippett's been here. You know, think of that Chicago series, play-in series in 2020. They got like six goals oh, or God. eight goals in that series on defle- out of the midair deflections from like 10, 15 feet out. Guys like Matthew Hightower, nobody was ever touching them. Like they were sort of getting a free swing at every point shot that got sifted in there and they got some and they went in, some of them. They went on off the Oilers too. I remember them going <laughs> off Chris Russell and Ethan Bear yeah, and it was like just tonight. Uh, it just doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe every fan base. Same. Maybe every fan base feels this way about puck luck. Maybe this is just well, part of being a fan, and, and you think your team is always well, getting on the show. Sometimes you it. get it. Yeah, it's like refing. When you when it's on your side, you tend not to comment as much on it. When you lose by one and you get some shitty luck or bad calls, you're, you're really going to focus on them. I know I do, and it's just part of being a fan. What's your number? Uh, my number is zero and one, and this is power play goals on the road trip. Five games for the Oilers on the road trip. Five games in a row where the Oilers got 0 for, for the power play. And the other team went 1 for the power play in each of the five games. Now, I will grant you that that was 15 power plays for the other guys and five for the Oilers in five games, in which the five were actually three power plays and two half power plays. They said on the broadcast tonight, this was the first time in seven games that the Oilers had the first power play of the game. Like, they're always skating uphill in the first period, and, you know, it shows up there as well. But five games in a row where the power play, you know, I mean, 0 for 5, that's a slump for this power play. They should have scored at least once in there. And losing 0 to 1, you know, at 5 on 5 on this on the five-game road trip, strictly 5 on 5 play, the Oilers were 2, 2, and 1. Right, they they were ahead. They outscored New Jersey at five on five, and they outscored New York Islanders at five on five by each by one goal. But they gave up that power play goal, and they wound up going to overtime and losing it three on three play. And then tonight they played a tie game at five on five and lost it on a power play goal. So that one goal per game on special teams minus one every game was the difference between a 500 road trip and a winless road trip just huge and this is from a team that i fo- i tracked this all year through the first 17 games the orders uh, special teams were even or plus in every single game 17 in a row and now they've been minus in five games in a row he I call my, it, n- 
Yeah, that tripping on Pugliarvi in the first period. Like, he, you know, come on, how is that not a penalty? He's breaking right up the middle of the ice. He gets slashed, mm-hmm. first of all, near the hands, and then he gets tripped um, as he's going in there anyway. Uh, my number, Bruce, is two. Mm-hmm. When the owners had the extra man on the ice at the end of the game, that's the number of point shots that Evan Bouchard got through on net, through screens. And I've been hoping for a long time that Evan Bouchard would be used in this situation. It was only with Tyson Berry out that he got the chance. Mm-hmm. He should be in that situation all the time. Tyson Berry is a good puck mover. Evan Bouchard has an extraordinary ability to get the puck on net uh, through a defender coming out at him, trying to block the shot, and then through other players. He just does it again and again and again. The first one uh, of those shots came, there was a triple screen in front of the net by, I think it was Yamamoto, Hyman, and Cassian. Cassian right in front. And a lot of people were mad that Cassian had been sent out on the ice, which I which I understand they wanted Pugliarvi. I don't understand why you wouldn't. But, I, you know, I guess they just wanted a great, big, nasty guy uh, screening the goalie. Anyway, Bouchard got it on net, and the goalie, Campbell, had to make a good save. Um, just uh, a short time later, he gets it on net again. Drysdale makes a really good pass, back pass to Bouchard at the point. He held the puck dragged the puck deeper, which opened it up for Bouchard then to shoot. Mm-hmm. Bouchard gets the shot off, and Hyman's in front screen, screening the goalie. And again, it was a really dangerous shot. He just, it's a, there was a, there was a, a shift in the second period where the Oilers had a lot of zone time with Bouchard and Nurse and a bunch of other guys out there. And I just kept thinking, why aren't you guys constantly setting up Evan Bouchard to shoot? Like, Darnell, you, why are you shooting ever? When you're paired with Evan Bouchard, get the puck over to him, start taking advantage of him and and sh- have him shoot the puck on net. Look for him. And they did. They did with the extra man and it almost paid off with a with a goal, which would have been fantastic. So Bouchard had a pretty high event game. Sure he made did. some he made some major mistakes defensively mm-hmm. as as he's been doing recently since he's been paired with Darnell Nurse. It's going to keep happening so long as he's there. He's just not really up to it yet at the defensive end in that role. It's asking too much of him. But his offensive play is exemplary, and um, and he really got it done with the extra man on the ice. Yeah, I would have liked to see him let fly from the point there with maybe 15, 20 seconds left just before the empty net goal. He got he and Dreisaitl were doing the back and forth. Yeah. And sent it to him three times, and he sent it back, and then Leon tried to do something else, and that didn't work out at all. They were a bit perfectionist there. The shot, then they, the shot chipped in off of Bouchard's stick from center ice, and that one, some, I mean, five of the six goals tonight went in off of Oilers. Somehow they lost. So anyway, uh, Bouchard, yeah, major mistakes uh, on the, um, he took the penalty. Yeah, that was a bad, he just. He made a bad decision first. Made a bad decision first with the puck that Robin Brown was talking about on chat in the post game. And then, uh, uh, then he got his stick in there and, and between the guy's legs and down he went. And of course, they called that. So this is, he's out there against Tavares right at the end of the game. Like, again, to me, this is an, he's, he's overmatched in the top pairing, Bruce. I just think, I I think they need to try Cody Cece there. I think Cece is the best two-way right shot player, right shot defender on the team. And they've tried Barry and Bouchard. Both of them have crumpled in that role. Um, 
CC's been playing the top four all along against tougher yeah. competition. He hasn't crumpled. Oh, oh. He's, he's, he's doing okay. He's hanging in there at least. Try him with Nurse. See how that goes. Because this is, I just really don't think it's working. I think it's asking too much of Evan Bouchard. He's being, he's, he's, he's getting too much pressure put on him. And um, it's asking too much of Tyson Berry when he's there as, as well. So I'd like to see CC get that opportunity. Well, CC and Keith are, are, are solid as the second pairing and they're getting more solid. I think Keith yeah. is starting to feel it. I, I've seen yeah, Keith I agree. this last few games. I agree. Especially you know, against the backdrop of the way the whole team is playing. He's, he's been, he's been good. I thought it was good tonight. And, uh, uh, he and CC, at least, you know, they're sort of, they're a pair and they've been a pair the whole yeah. time. Uh, so it's funky how it works with nurse. It's either Barry or, or Bouchard. And it seems like one of them's on the first pairing and one of them's on the third pairing in a given game. And often it's, it's, I think the read of Dave Tippett or possibly, uh, Jim Playfair as to how well, uh, Bouchard in particular is playing that they'll pull him back or sometimes they'll pull Barry back and move Bouchard up. If they think one of them's playing better than the other, they'll, they'll, they'll push his minutes. So it's kind of, it's, they're kind of redundant, but at the same time, both of them have enough kind of games where they're off. that it's not necessarily a bad idea to have a plan B for offensive, right shooting puck moving defenseman. Yeah. I don't think Barry and Keith would work very well together. Um, they're, in some ways, like too similar at this point of their career, um, but maybe Bouchard and Keith would be okay. That's it's possible. Yeah, I mean it, it, that could work, and then you you just keep Barry with whoever Logason or whoever you're going to name a line, and whoever is it, else is you're going to put on left defense as your defensive D man in that role. So um, anyway, th- I'm hoping to see that. We haven't seen it yet this year, and and they're probably not going in for the reason you just enunciated that they like CC and Keith. It's a good. It's 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 a getting to be a better pairing. It's been their best pairing probably on this road trip. So um, it's starting to work out. Keith is playing better. I agree, Bruce. He looked, he, he, he could have easily been my good thing tonight. He played really well. He got caught on one breakaway, but it, that kind of came up the other side of the ice and he just wasn't quick enough getting back. But that it was not up his side of the ice. It wasn't his fundamental mistake. Um, so, and other than that, he was really strong getting pucks on net. His passing and his shooting is, is, is really good. So they're probably not doing it because they like that, but I, I, they've got, they've got to figure this out because that top pairing isn't going to work. I don't think, I don't think Evan Bouchard's going to step up this year and fill that, fill that hole with nurse. So, um, it's not happening yet. He's, He's struggling. Well, some, some nights, it depends. Yeah. I mean, it depends which end of the ice the puck is in. Or yeah. which, which team has the puck? I mean, when Bouchard's got the puck on his stick, mostly he's been good. And he's, as you mentioned earlier, very fine passer. And I've noticed, you said earlier, he put sort of the puck a little bit ahead of Drysdale. And I've noticed with him that when he does miss on his passes, he tends to miss ahead of the guy, make him reach and kind of surge forward with the puck. And it's almost like it's deliberate because I think he's a very accurate passer. To sort of push the play by by putting as far ahead of the guy that he can still reasonably get it, you know, and then he's he's maybe got a uh, a little advantage, you know, on his next move around the defenseman if he's already surging forward, and and, and I think that play was an example of that. But he's uh, there's lots to like about Evan Bouchard, and we have to remember that effectively he's a rookie defenseman. Yeah, he's on the second year of his ELC. 
and he is, um, um, you know, leading the Oilers' defense in some categories and, and taking a lot of minutes. So, I mean, you got to take, like the young Justin Schultz, right? You had to take the, you know, the that it was never all going to be perfect, but he's a young, you know, like he's the age now that Justin Schultz was when he first came to the Oilers. And I think yeah. is, is considerably more advanced. He's a better player than Justin Schultz. And, and I, and I, I completely agree with you. I, I think I, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm taking it. He's a rookie. So I don't mm-hmm. want him in that role. I don't think that's right for him right now. I, you know, I'd rather, if you're going to expose someone, expose Tyson Berry, you know, yeah. put him in the tougher role. I'd rather see that. And and give Bouchard the power play. See how, you know, build up, like, except you don't want to give him those points that? because you have to pay for them. All right. Uh, the Oilers had another game postponed on the, the their game on the 18th, January 18th against Chicago was postponed. I think I saw, I think I saw that. I thought that was their next game. No, I thought it was their game on the 18th. I saw got Yeah, no, I thought that was their next, like they play on the 10th. And I thought the 18th was when they came back. They do after that. But after they the, canceled that game too. Did they cancel the game on the tenth? Uh, no, but on the eighteenth. No, no, yeah, they did. I think okay, it's so. Now they go from the tenth to the twentieth, and they don't play. Yeah, that's we'll be watching Bakersfield, eh? I guess so. And we get it gives at least all these. They have a COVID party in the next couple of days, guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> get it out. Right, have it I mean, I, 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 I'm being facetious, of course, but honestly, yeah, to the competitive advantage of the team, that all gets it at the same time. Get, well, postpones a few games, and then the whole team comes back healthy, as opposed to this, you know, three guys out for this game and four for that one and six for that one. But, you know. Tippett said they, you know, he was asked that, and he was saying, yeah, they, they had thought about how it would be best to get it all at once. So anyway, yeah, in the theoretical, it would be you know the best. Yeah, the, they're and, all and the practical. I mean, I'm scared spitless that you know Connor McDavid might actually get sick from this. You know, I mean, this is this I'm, is what you really hope is that not nothing that there's no bad outcomes for anyone. And we've already got two guys on the 50 man list whose careers are in jeopardy. So you know they were unvaccinated, but they were unvaccinated, and these McDavid. guys are double and triple vaccinated and. Hopefully it's all good. We know the vaccines work. And McDavid's already had COVID. Like he's got, he should have super immunity, like as, as strong as anyone. Like and he's a young, healthy individual. So yeah, I'm not actually, I'm not worried about any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I when, back when CC got it still, I think it was the Delta. Now that it's the Omicron, I'm not, I'm not that worried about the players getting it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, and hopefully fingers crossed that nothing, nothing does happen. So Bruce, let's leave it there, and uh, I guess we'll, uh, uh, Monday night is the next game, next Monday. Monday night, so I mean, a few days off to regroup here is maybe not the worst thing, and, and they did show some positive signs tonight, but man, Dave Tippett's got to be wearing it at this point. He, there's 10 games in a row that he's been behind the bench, the orders have lost. Eight, eight in regulation, two in overtime, 24-40 against. Like four to two average. This was average, and this, but this was the first empty net goal in all that time. They've, you know, they've been getting beat for the most part. Tonight was anyone's game. They just didn't get the bounce. So thirty-four games. What is it? Eighteen wins and sixteen losses now. Eighteen, fourteen, and two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Two games above real five hundred. Bruce. Still a playoff team, but man, they're. It's not. Tra- Things are not trending well. At least Mike Smith's back. 
We'll see what else happens. Well, well actually, they're not a playoff team if you go by percentages. Winnipeg got past them for eighth last night. Oh, really? Yeah, they got a slightly higher percentage with, I think, one fewer game or something. Yeesh. All righty. Well, Oilers were in ninth percentage-wise, which this year with such a disparity in games played, yeah, uh, percentages tell us more than points. Yeah. We'll see what happens so, next, Bruce. We'll see what happens next. This is the bad spell. Every year they've had it, David, even the years they made the playoffs. You know, la, la, um, two years ago, they went from a seven and one start, and after Christmas they were twenty and twenty-one. When that's when they called up Yamamoto and put the dynamite line together, and then they were great in the second half. And you know, so that's what they need yeah. to do. They need to get through this, and they need to turn it back up where they're not just sort of getting by, but actually getting good. A break comes like we don't know how long. I don't even know like if McDavid's quarantine is supposed to last five or ten days anymore because they've changed changed the rules in Alberta, and um, so he might be around for Monday night's game or more yeah, likely it's his quarantine doesn't start until he gets home, and that's what happened with uh, that's what happened with Paul Yarby. Remember, oh, he had to wait an extra couple of days because it took him a couple of days to get back from Seattle. So that may be the fate that awaits Barry and McDavid and so on but they well, only have one game scheduled the next two weeks so hopefully that's the only one that they can possibly miss yeah all righty bruce thanks for talking tonight thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast <laughs>